Hi, and welcome to another episode of Second Chance Cinema with MC and Spro. I'm Rudy, your review reader, and today I'm going to read you the review for Battleship by Lisa Schwartzbaum of Entertainment Weekly. This review was updated on May 23rd, 2012 at 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Battleship is a special effects-heavy movie invented to extend the brand of a commercial board game suitable for ages 7 and up, in which two players move imaginary boats, well, they're, not, they're actual figures, they're not imaginary, around a simple grid. That's That part's not newsworthy. The surprise for this veteran of board games is that Battleship is also the rousing, engaging, and emotionally complex action war picture, the silly 2001 action war picture Pearl Harbor only wished it could be. Ouch. It's Pearl Harbor with greater intelligence, less hokum, and more aliens. For every line of Howler dialogue that should have been sunk, there's a nice little scene with humans having to make difficult decisions. For every stretch of generic sci-fi via CGI movie making, there's a welcoming bit of wit. Under the direction of Peter Berg, the talented and ever-maturing filmmaker behind Friday Night Lights and The Kingdom, Battleship is a sound vessel floating in Hollywood's oil-slick sea of Transformer sequels and vampire riffs. <laughs> That's a good line. The object of the original game is simple. Attack an opponent's fleet through a combination of mental strategy, deductive logic, and luck. The movie doesn't forget these low-tech roots. There's a nifty sequence in which sailors track incoming alien fighters using similar X-marks-the-spot skills. We know to keep an eye on the conflict that rumbles between Alex and the Japanese officer Tananabu Asano, because Japanese America hurts and fears left over from the real Pearl Harbor will be worked out before the movie is over for the benefit of boomers and assorted granddads in the audience. It's only once we know these things, carbon based touch is not found in the Hasbro product, that Battleship gets down to the business of hotshot combat between brave U.S. Navy fighters and aggressive alien visitors. Battleship is gratifying that way. At the story's center are all the clanging fireballs a kid could want to watch whizzing across a computerized sky. Not to mention naval strategy and fact-based demonstration of real destroyer ship capabilities. And surrounding the alien rumpus, the filmmakers have built an unexpectedly sincere salute to the awesome responsibilities of today's U.S. Navy, as well as the heroic work of veterans who came before. For all that, the captains of this movie deserve a medal, B+. <laughs> and now, here's MC and Spro to tell you why you need to rewatch Battleship. Am I muted? No, you're good. Okay. All right, good. All right. Well, <laughs> Spro and I were just kind of shooting the shit, but I think we're ready to go if you're ready to go. Unless yeah. you want to shoot shit. Yeah, unless you've got any shit to shoot. No. I got a <laughs> lot of jokes, but I was like, I don't know what I could say or can't say. Spro Do you have a uh, paper pencil for your poetry writing? Yeah, Jeremy? don't forget you're going to have to write a poem or something. Oh. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. Everybody. All, oh, I forgot about that. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another high octane episode of 
Second Chance Cinema, the only podcast hosted by myself and Spro. Is that right? <laughs> That's pretty accurate, right? <laughs> that was super quick. Yeah. R- right. Well, uh, anyway, so I was going to say the only podcast about like movies that deserve more credit, but there's probably more of those or like movies that went under the radar. There's probably a couple more of those, but this is the only podcast hosted specifically by you and I. That's all I could come up with. To hell with the rest. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, I'm reminded uh, of two nights ago, I went over to Spro's house to help him, uh, you know, move some stuff around. We took a treadmill out to the trash. We moved a poker table that was a gift from Elliot Ness down into the basement. It turned it into a real speakeasy. And as we were, uh, you know, parting ways, um, we stood at the end of the driveway, kind of like the King of, King of the Hill guys, you know, just kind of, you know, at the end of the driveway, yep, yep, talking. And um, <laughs> as we gave each other a hug, said talk to you later I confirmed that we were on for tonight and he said and Spro said um, yeah I still have to watch the movie and then he asked me a question which I'll never forget he said is it pretty bonkers and I had to think for a minute and I said then oh it goes from zero to bonkers pretty fucking quickly But as I thought about it, I don't I don't know that that's true. I think more accurate is that it, it begins and endures in kind of a lane of exciting and mysterious. And then the third act goes from zero to like nitrous oxide bonkers, just almost out of nowhere, which for me was both hilarious, endearing, and just completely inexplicable. And we'll talk about that more here in a second. Of course, we are talking about the movie, not the game, Battleship. So Spro, you had not seen Battleship until last night, I assume, right? Last night and then today I rewatched. So you watched it twice in the span of 24 hours. I feel like you have to, yes. How is your brain not <laughs> melting out of your nose and your ears? <laughs> well, here's the thing. It was like the first viewing. Like, uh, we'll get into it when we talk to our guest, but this one is definitely one where you're going to go in with expectations of something else, no matter what, like knowing the game battleship does not prepare you for the movie battleship. (laughs) And so, and even like the opening of the movie, you're kind of like, okay, we're, I'm going to see a naval, naval spectacular war movie. And you start with the stealing of a chicken burrito for about five minutes. And then you get into a soccer game for another like 10 minutes. And so like, by then you're kind of like, what the hell am I watching? You know? So this on the second watch, you kind of expect all these things and then you can enjoy it like a whole hell of a lot more. So that's, that's why great, I had to watch it twice. That is, that is a great kind of cursory analysis. And you mentioned our guest. Um, our guest, who actually is the one who brought this movie to our attention, recommending it for Second Chance Cinema, longtime friend of the show, Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you? I'm very good and very excited to be talking about Battleship today because I had been campaigning for this movie for a while. Because you were the one campaigning it, you know, you you brought it up, you kind of dusted it off and, and presented it. Tell us kind of just, just quickly why you think that this movie belongs on the podcast here. Well, I always just find it strange that the, in a world where Michael Bay made five Transformers movies, each one progressively more incoherent than the last, this movie is, is sort of regarded as a flop when I feel like it does all of the things that the Bay Transformers movies do, and I think hangs a much stronger plot on, on it than, than any of those movies does. And, uh, and I think um, you know it's it delivers solid entertainment. It was a summer blockbuster. It delivers on that front, and it doesn't really ask much more of the audience than that. 
Um, but I also think it, it ends up delivering a little bit more. Jeremy, for those of you who don't know, is a um, is an accomplished science fiction writer. He's written two books, Ocean of Storms and Zero Limit, and um, they're both available on Amazon. She's so go check them out. The sci-fi element of this is something that uh, I'm a big sci-fi fan too, and the sci-fi element of this to me was the highlight because it was, I hesitate to use the word believable, but it kind of was. And and we'll get into that a little bit more. Before we do, though, we are going to uh, dust off another classic, The Wheel of Poetry, where um, on The Wheel of Poetry, there are six different types of poems. And um, I can see Jeremy wincing through the, the video because all of our guests seem to forget about The Wheel of Poetry, but we've been doing it for like three years, so... Uh, you know, that's on you. The six types of poetry are haiku, ABAB poem, limerick, uh, song parody, toast slash roast, and acrostic. And the point of this game is we're going to spin the wheel. It's going to land on one. And Spro over there from the command center is going to play the trailer for this movie. During the time in which the trailer is played, we have to compose a poem based on whatever category we've randomly been gifted by the, in this case, by the poetry and Hasbro family game night gods, I suppose. So are we ready? Jeremy, do you have any thoughts before we spin the wheel of poetry? It's been a while, I think, since you've done one. It is. And I'm like going through my head about like, if we land on song party, what are songs? Like, how, what could I rhyme with battleship? And so I'm, I'm stressing already. <laughs> All right. Well, let me go ahead and pull up the wheel here and we'll see what we land on. Oh, I forgot, forgot about sound effect. <laughs> So we've landed on one that we haven't done. I can't even remember the last time we did. Toast slash roast. (laughs) Toast slash roast. And you'll remember that the point of a roast and a toast given during a roast is to sort of backhandedly compliment the subject. So this is an interesting one. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We're here for it. All right. So Spro, it is your turn. Go ahead, launch that battleship, and we will be back after this trailer. (laughs) I like what you did there. Yep. You ready for this? I'm going to walk up to him, look him right in the eyes. What are you going to say? Your daughter is the best thing that has happened to me in my entire life. It would be an honor to have your permission to marry her. What is wrong with you? You went from enlisted to an officer faster than anyone in the history of the United States Navy. But I have never, ever seen a man waste himself better than you. What my daughter sees in you is a great mystery to me. Enjoy these naval exercises, Hopper. They're likely to be your last. What the heck is that? Got unknown surface contact. Bridge TO, I've got nothing on the scope. Let's get a team in a rip to investigate this thing. Hopper, you're on it. Copy, sir. No idea what to stay here. Get out of the water and return to your ship. Sir, sir, my radar is totally dead.
fire. Sir, which weapons? All of them. All right. I mean, there's no wrong answers here, Jeremy. This is like this is this is participation trophy central. There's no there's nothing to be nothing to be afraid of. Okay, we're all friends here. Mm. We're all friends here. All right. All right. <laughs> yes. Um, we well. Okay. Do you do you guys want me to go first? You want to go first? Who wants to go first? I could go first. All right. Go for it, bro. All right. I did a toast to you, Taylor Kitsch, a man who thought he couldn't miss. Then came John Carter, Savages and Battleship, and instead of hits, all Kitsch does is box office miss wow you made yours rhyme it doesn't have to rhyme <clears throat> no it doesn't and i used miss twice now that i read it out loud that's but okay it was like a toast slash roast yeah it was great see again this is all freestyle here <laughs> this is all abstract art this is great all right mine unless jeremy you want to go next no you'd go next all right i decided to uh toast hasbro the makers of battleship and uh, I'm, I'm assuming executive producers uh, of this movie uh-oh. All right, so I decided to celebrate Hasbro. Hasbro, I applaud the way in which you were able to take a very basically premised board game and turn it into a genuinely entertaining movie. You should do it more. Hungry Hungry Hippos could be a mutant creature horror film. Operation, a tightly knit life or death thriller. Sorry, a cheeky rom-com about miscommunication. And of course, Monopoly, although Disney pretty much has that covered. (laughs) Nice. That was very nice. See the shit? Like clever. Intense. The shit's yeah. clever. Oh, right? All right. That was very good. <laughs> Which brings us to Jeremy. Oh uh, yeah. So I, I this was a tricky one for me, doing a toast and a roast. So I did All right, little- I'll get the I'll get the participation ribbon ready. Yeah. <laughs> so I did uh, sort of a Friday Night Lights toast because this movie sort of represents a mini Friday Night's Friday Night Lights reunion. So I said cheers to Battleship, which brought back together the two stars of Friday Night Lights, Tim Riggins, aka Taylor Kitsch, and Landry Clark, played by Jesse Plemons. On the small screen, Tim Riggins may have been scoring touchdowns, but it was Jesse Plemons who went on to make the two point conversion in Hollywood. There it is. Wow. <laughs> All right. There nice. we go. Which one's Jesse Plemons? Lemons? In, in the movie, Battleship, yeah, like the red-haired, uh, like ensign. Oh, that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, that guy, yeah, no, okay, he's like a big right. star. He's a big star. So we, so is that your movie theater manager, or is that Gary Sinise? <laughs> Did Gary Sinise drop by? No, that was um, that's Waltz from The Godfather, because it would have made him a star, Johnny oh, Fontaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so we're deep into it now. We are, we are deep in the Pacific Ocean talking about Battleship and Battleship, like Jeremy very um, astutely said was essentially a, a, not a clone, but a Transformers adjacent film. I think it's fair to call it. Um, And it came out in 2012, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. So that would have been, I can't keep track of the, uh, as much as I love Michael Bay and some of the Transformers movies, I don't remember exactly which one this would have been near. I feel like it would have been Dark of the Moon, like a little bit before or after that. Yeah, Dark of the Moon was 2011. This was the following summer. So Battleship, not a Transformers clone per se, but eye candy in the same sense, big action, big names, all that kind of stuff. To me, Battleship was infinitely more entertaining than Revenge of the Fallen and light years beyond, I can't even think of the last one, the one with Anthony Hopkins and then the the one with Mark Wahlberg. That was just completely because, incoherent. Exactly. Just because the the premise of Battleship is, is cool. It is the opposite of Transformers finding Merlin in a forest and then going to Ireland and 
killing and, Anthony Hopkins and then riding a dinosaur into battle and, and all that weird. You and know, then they're all in that World shit. War II for some reason. Bumblebees in World War II. <sighs> I don't even remember. I didn't make it. That movie made no sense. Like, literally no sense whatsoever. One of the big complaints about Transformers was that the human element was too prevalent. Like it was the story about Shia LaBeouf and for the first three movies or whatever, and it wasn't enough robots. Here, we kind of don't have that problem, although I could... I could see people going in and being and expecting an exact Transformers clone, you know, being disappointed. But like you said, Spro, that's not what this movie was. And and we don't think that's what it's set out to be. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed to take itself more seriously than the people that were going to go see it wanted to give it credit for. Well, it starts off with the classic, like, there's a signal coming from deep space kind of thing. And we're, we're set up in the presence of, of something. We don't know exactly what, but something extraterrestrial. Then we meet Taylor Kitsch. And what was his name? Hopper? Yeah. Yep, Hopper. Because the other guy was Stone, Stone Hopper. Hopper which, yes. So they're, they're set up in the most cookie cutter way ever where Taylor Kitsch is the ne'er-do-well punk problem with authority brother of Stone Hopper, who is like a, for all intents and purposes, I don't know the ranks, but like a junior admiral or something in the Navy. He's got his shit together. He's buttoned up. He's been bailing out Taylor Kitsch for most of their life. And right at that moment, that whole scene in the bar where he's like, I'm here for you, bro. You got to get your act together and stuff like that. I hadn't seen this movie since probably it came out. I didn't see it in the theaters, but watched it probably when it got right to DVD. And so I didn't remember a thing. But as soon as they had that little interaction, I was like, oh, he's going to die. Like the big brother's going to die and it's going to be Taylor Kitsch's fault. And spoiler alert, that's exactly kind of what happens, right? But I didn't get that. But this is probably my, before we get into the water, I think like this is my favorite scenes of like Taylor, Taylor and how he interacts with like his environment around him and everything. Because mm-hmm. then when he goes, like, I think sadly my favorite scene in, or my favorite part in the scene is when he like looks at his brother and he's like, how do I look? And his brother's like, wait, hold on. And then smacks him across the face. And he's like, mm-hmm. there you go. There mm-hmm. you go. You know, like, and good luck. I always felt like that scene was for the audience. That was, I think, that movie came out before John Carter, but it may not have. But I felt like it was kind of like Peter Berg being like, because he's basically being Tim Riggins in that scene in Friday Night Lights. He's dressed like Tim Riggins. He's talking like like Tim Riggins. He's trying to impress this blonde girl like Tim Riggins. Like, it's the whole thing. And it's sort of for the audience to be like, okay, like, so that wouldn't be so jarring. So I felt like you had to cut, they were easing the transition by showing him as kind of the, you know, bum uh, character and kind of the loser, you know, with a heart of gold type character. So that that suddenly you, you see the more easily when he he's at the he's got the you know haircut and he's at, he's playing soccer with on the, with the navy and whatever I don't know I felt like that to me was sort of like Peter Berg's way of being like we're going to transition Taylor Kitsch the TV star into Taylor Kitsch the movie star yeah totally makes sense so I got this guy Tony he said he can get you a construction job all you need is call him can I get a beer and a chicken burrito please sorry kitchen closed. You're not going to call him, are you? Give Tony my best, but I don't need you or Tony's help for that matter. Well, you can call him or join me in the Navy. No. Right. All right. Happy birthday. Blow out your candle and uh, make a wish. Do not waste a wish on a girl. Wish for a job, an apartment, a, a new alternator belt so I don't have to drive you everywhere. A job or a... It's a job twice. It's my birthday. My wish. Right? Please don't waste it. You just wasted that wish, Tiggy. I'm going in. You're not going in. How do I look? What? Let me just fix. Awesome. 
All right, princess, go get him. Great start. So we're talking about, basically, we get introduced to Taylor Kitsch's character through an interaction he has with a girl at a bar. And I swear to God, I'm not trying to be like pretentious. I don't remember this girl's name in the movie or in real life. What was her name in the movie? Sam. It was Sam. Sam was her name. (laughs) Brooklyn Decker. Brooklyn Decker. Okay. And she later revealed to be, or maybe it was right at the beginning, she's revealed to be Liam Neeson's daughter. Um, And Liam Neeson is, of course, the fearsome Admiral Shane. We'll get into that in a second. But Taylor Kitsch sees this girl at a bar, beautiful girl, goes up to hit on her. For some reason, she wants a chicken burrito which I don't know if this is just me stereotyping, but I would not expect any girl really to go to a bar like that and 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 assume that their chicken burrito was, you know, three stars, four stars. But that's just me. And she says that he can like have a date with her or have her phone number or something like that if she gets him a chicken burrito within five minutes. So, and I thought this was really funny. He runs across the street to a mini mart that's closing, can't bargain with the clerk. So he breaks in and there's like two minutes of almost like Jackie Chan ish stunt work of him like falling through the ceiling him like crashing across the shelves and all the stuff like that and I don't recall laughing out loud the first time I watched Battleship but that was a long time ago I definitely laughed out loud during this part well Um, this was um, shot for shot a real story that they like took out there was a guy that broke into a gas station and did the exact same stuff oh my god I remember that yeah yeah, it went viral that was the Oh, that was this. So they did. Okay. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> so Peter Berg was like, I'm just going to recreate that for the audience and kind of like another connection, like Jeremy was talking about, that Peter Berg was doing a lot at the very beginning of this to kind of ease the audience into the zaniest, the bonkerhood of Battleship. He really did. And it's set up in such a way where, like, the, so all the navies in the world are convened at this like naval jamboree called like Rim, Rim Fest or Rim, Rim Pack. Rim, Rim Pack. Rim Pack. Because it's careful. Because it's, it's, hey, look, I'm trying to, re- I'm trying to remember, bro. You know, I don't have the best memory. Um, wait, why careful? Did I almost say something derogatory? Well, rim, rim. Oh, all right, all right. I get it. Know. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I mean, they're all oh, out there have, rimming. But we have no problem. Well, see, now you're doing it. But we have no problem with like Pacific Rim, right? Or the Mockbuster spoof Atlantic Rim. So. But that, yeah, that's this rib of the Pacific exercises. That's right. Why, okay. Yeah. And it's the Pacific Ocean. And all the, the yeah. all the navies from, from across the world come to this like just smorgasbord of, of military greatness. It's and like Fleet Week. Pres- Fleet Week. Exactly. There yeah. we go. And um, presiding over it, large and in charge is Liam Neeson's Admiral Shane. So right away we go to this kind of long scene of them playing soccer against, it's like the American team versus the Japanese. Japanese team. And right there, we're, we set up a rivalry between Taylor Kitsch and the Japanese commander Nagata. I remember that one. It kind of is rooted in the fact that Taylor Kitsch is selfish. He takes a penalty shot himself, even though he kind of sucks at it, loses the game. And it's just set up like he can't do anything right. And then, and correct me if I'm missing anything, we go out on the water, right? Yeah. Well, there's an argument between Taylor Kitsch's character and the Japanese guy, which ends up into spilling into a fist fight, which ends up with Taylor Kitsch being being basically threatened to be kicked out of the Navy. That basically when they come back from this exercise, he's he's done. He's gonna be kicked out of the Navy and his brother gives him another tongue lashing and it's like, you know, you went to the Navy to straighten up and you, you're worse than ever and you know, what is it gonna take to teach you how to be a leader? So like 
teeing up all of the lessons he's about to learn in the next 90 minutes, basically. And, and as, as we all are. Go on, Spro. <laughs> yeah. In the same instance, he is failing at the Navy, and he wants to marry the Admiral's daughter. So he's like, he, you know, he has his goal set in mind, and it's, he's got he's to be better. So he's sort of not really even doing this for himself or for his country. It's kind of just to like, you know, get a piece, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if we call it what it is. As they're out on the water, and this is what, I I don't know if I quite understood this. Was it basically like an air show on the water? Like, what what was the point of all the ships going out of the water? Just to like, have people be like, oh, look at the pretty ships? Like, what was- I think it's like a joint exercise. Yeah, I thought they were doing some kind of like- um, But what's what's the exercise? Like, what- what how, how do you exercise an aircraft carrier is my question. I think they do like war games kind of thing, like where they were like, you know, you know, like how like in Top Gun, you know, they would fly around ah, and okay. shoot, pretend to shoot somebody down or whatever. I think it was kind of like, like that. And it seems like it's what we always do. Like every time North Korea fires a missile, we're like, oh, we're going to come out there and exercise, you know, like just I sail see. around the seas with okay. other countries. Yeah, like doing maneuvers and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Okay. So, I because in my head, I was like, what is this supposed to be? Is this like a is this like a monster truck show but with aircraft like are they going to do stunts like is there, <laughs> like what's going to happen here but okay that makes a little more sense all right so out on the water are like three or four battleships and as they're out on the water we're kind of like going back and forth between this like a command center communication center in Hawaii that's just received i think it was like they received a response from a signal that they beamed millions of light years away mm-hmm. and of course kind of just like in Independence Day... Arrival, um, all the other ones, you know, the the guy gets woken up in the middle of the night and he's like, this must be a mistake. There can't be a signal coming from that quadrant of the of the galaxy or whatever he says. Jeremy, you're the sci-fi guy. You you take it away here. I think you just said it best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this can't be a signal coming from that quadrant of the galaxy. But yeah. That's pretty much yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, basically yeah, he they're getting a signal and they don't know where it's where it's coming from, or the fact that it's I think it's that it was so strong that it didn't make sense that it'd be that strong because that would mean that it was so close to our atmosphere. You know, they were they were expecting a more degraded signal, I think, from deep space. But the fact that it was so close, it was like, meaning that whatever the object was, was frighteningly close to Earth. And the important part here is that this facility in Hawaii is the only one of its kind on Earth, which I didn't kind of pick up at first. And it took me, like, they mention it later in the movie, but that becomes important to the the whole invasion angle. It's a it's a it's a facility that's strong enough to beam a signal far enough to what we realize is an alien planet um, mm-hmm. that is being described as much like our own. So while the ships are out doing their tricks and their stunts and stuff, <laughs> of course, that's when the main alien ship crash lands into the ocean, sets up kind of like a dome, like a battle dome, or like like an American Gladiator's atmosphere kind of thing, <laughs> and tr- essentially traps the ships inside while it, I don't know, sets up camp, I guess, in the middle of the water. This is kind of when we're introduced to the the more secondary characters like Rihanna. They're all on Stonehopper's crew and they're all pretty much like good Navy officers. They're the opposite of, of Taylor Kitsch. So they all go out and this, this part I had a hard time believing. They go out in this little like it was like the boat from striking distance, like this little <laughs> tiny strike distance. <laughs> this, little, this little tiny dinghy thing with uh Rihanna, Taylor Kitsch, and there was another guy with them, like a big muscle muscle guy. Um, and they go 
to check out the ship. And I don't know, it just struck me as strange that that's all they would send and that they would mm-hmm. basically go like knock on the door is what they did. It was kind of like, hey, <laughs> anybody there? Yeah. Did you ever see Whale Wars? Missed oh, that one. Yes. Wars. I remember no. that show, yes. Yeah, it was Discovery <laughs> Channel. It was all about like just, uh, it was like environmentalists trying to stop Japanese whaling ships. Yeah. And so every time they would like pull up, they would drop one of these lifeboats. So this is what this reminded me of because they would always have these like two lifeboats that would go out with ropes that they would try to throw into these huge whaling ships propellers and just like fuck up their game. But they, so, so they were actively trying to sabotage these whaling ships, right? Yeah. This was more just like a, hey, let's go check it out. It reminded me, it was like it was like Goonies or uh, Stand but They by still me. had like a huge cannon on this little. <laughs> they did, but <laughs> comparatively to the ship that had just landed in the water from an alien planet. I mean, I don't know, Jeremy, as the sci-fi expert, your thoughts? <laughs> I, I thought that was strange too. And one thing, I would commend Battleship about, and we can talk about this more, is that throughout, uh, one of the things I really liked about it was that they were very realistic about the military aspect of it and how the military would respond. And I think they use actual sailors throughout the movie, actual military personnel, military uh, ships, military aircraft. So throughout the movie, they were very realistic. This was the one part that I felt like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. And up until that point, they were very realistic about firing the warning shot off the bow and kind of trying to hail the ship. And But then they send them on that little Zodiac boat. And I was like, okay, I guess this was just the director like, look, we need to get the core cast interacting in some way with the, the aliens and to, and to kind of be, you know, be the ones to sort of discover this threat. And I, and I don't know how else to do that. So we got to put them in this little boat and send them out. And You know what? Now that, I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, in the game, wasn't there a little tiny patrol boat? There is, yes, but not a boat maybe, like uh, that. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe, but then there was like the destroyer and the submarine and stuff. Maybe that was a nod to the game. That's the only excuse I can think yeah, of. Yeah, but I, but that but that's like a Zodiac. The, the 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 one of the games like a PT boat that like like the one like Kennedy commanded in like World War Two. I don't think this. So, is, you know, I don't know. I was gonna say, so full disclosure, I am not a Navy admiral. So my critique of these maneuvers and these decisions <laughs> doesn't hold much water. No well, pun intended. I just thought it was strange that they would send three people, one of whom is a known fuck up, to go try and make <laughs> yeah. contact with the aliens. What the hell is this? I didn't sign up for this bullshit! Yeah, no shit, dude! Five inches offline, should be back in two minutes. Copy that. Signal the jump hole, Jones. Fire warning shot. One round, 10 mil left offset. Place now 51 in remote. Battery's released. Now 51 designated. Who's shooting at? I do not know. Stand in the water. Ward, get your ass in the late helmet, right, sir. And that's where the action begins, because uh, as soon as they try to um, encroach on the the alien spacecraft, the aliens just start blowing shit up, right? Mm -hmm. And tragically, one of the first things they blow up is the ship that Taylor Kitsch was formerly on, commanded by his brother, Stonehopper. And it is from there that we say, rest in peace. Stonehopper. I thought it was a weird name for a ship because it was the John Paul Jones. Why is that ship. weird? I don't, doesn't it sound weird? Like it's not the USS Missouri or anything like that. Right. So, but that is I a real ship, the John Paul Jones. There is really a John Paul Jones. Who is Why? John Paul Jones? He's the famous admiral. Uh, was uh, I shall I shall return? Was that his his line? Or I'll be or, back. Or is he damn? <laughs> is he damn the torpedoes? He's a famous. I have no he idea. was in in the uh, in the Revolutionary War. It was so it wouldn't have been damn the torpedoes. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. John Paul Jones is very famous. He was not only the bassist for Led Zeppelin. He is a very famous uh, admiral in the navy, and uh, so out, he does have a there, lot. We- I don't remember. He he had his sub quote that was famous. I, I don't remember. He was a Scottish American naval captain who was the United States' first well-known naval commander in the American Revolutionary War. Okay, so go. he's got cred. I get it. And there um, is really, but there really is a, a USS John Paul Jones currently serving in the navy. And if I recall correctly, though, the Missouri was the ship that Liam Neeson commanded but was retired. So that one wasn't out there. And that becomes important later, right? Isn't that what happened? No, he like wasn't commanding was still, it. Or he, it, well, that was the one that was retired and was still in port, right? Yes. Yeah. It's okay. a museum. It's it's still, like you said, right. Hawaii. You can visit it. It's like it's like the Intrepid, you know, in New York. Oh, okay. And that and that's that to me, that scene, which we're not at yet, that's, that's where the zero to bonkers happened. So now we have... This situation where somehow, even though he's a complete fuck up, Taylor Kitsch is next in line to take over command of the the battleship that his brother was just killed on, which I didn't really figure that out, but I was willing to forgive it. And the first thing he does is he orders the battleship to ram the alien spacecraft that he just tried to, you know, ding dong ditch off the side of a, Mm -hmm. a, what is it? A Kodiak boat? Zodiac boat? Zodiac. Right. Everybody's trying to talk him down. They're like, no, you can't do that. That's a stupid move. But he's consumed by vengeance. And he's mm-hmm. he's a hothead. And he's making poor decisions. And this is his character. <laughs> and eventually, he, he relents. And, and kind of there's a, a calm down and we're sort of introduced to his impending arc. Now, that part, what did what did you think of that whole thing, Spro, where he, he just gets like fire in his eyes and he, he goes crazy and he just, he's about to commit the ultimate fuck up. Like as, well, a scre- as a screenwriter, what was the purpose of that? I feel like it wasn't that outlandish of an idea considering the fact like, one, the alien warships are attacking anything that attacks it, right? And they're attacking it very, a whole lot better. So they're sinking everything with the peg ship shaped missiles that they're throwing, which I thought was very creative way Super cool. of tying in the board game. Oh my so God, the, I just got that. You did that's, it. That's what that was, <laughs> wasn't it? Holy <laughs> shit, you're right. Yeah, they were like, yeah that's like the throwing eggs. <laughs> that, went, that went right over my head. <laughs> I yeah, just thought, I thought that I was thought one of the great were, things too. I thought those were like real things, like like that one right over my head. Wow. <laughs> well, they're yeah, not so real the, things because they're so aliens. The aliens are like just. <laughs> I thought they were whatever. I thought they were rooted in reality, like a claymore mine or something like that. But no, they're battleship peg pegs. Okay, go on, keep spoon feeding me here, Stro, because yes. clearly this is this movie's over my head. <laughs> so yeah, so they would. Uh, the one thing that it didn't happen that I thought was going to happen is that when they destroyed a part of the ship, I thought they were going to come up with some like weird thing of like just shut down that part you know because in the game battleship you can survive with one hit right so i thought mm-hmm. they're gonna be like just throw up the the break walls or whatnot and just close off that part of the ship and we'll survive but not in this movie they once once the aliens nailed you you're pretty much going down but so but the aliens were only attacking the people that attacked it with their with the missiles and so taylor was like you know what we're just gonna ram it and i'm like you know what taylor Let's see what happens. And so, like, everybody's trying to talk him out of it. And I was like, he's got an idea. He's got an idea. And then he finally relents. But I'm still not unconvinced that, you know, if he just rammed the ship at the very beginning, that quite possibly he could have stopped stopped the whole thing from devolving as it did. To me, it kind of reminded me of um, 
in Starship Troopers when Johnny Rico gets that guy's head blown off when they're doing the training exercise. So he like gets demoted and then Jake Busey becomes captain. And then they actually go on a mission and Jake Busey just kind of like shits his pants and has no idea what's going on. So then Johnny Rico gets put back in the role again. That's what it reminded me of. I I guess it's kind of like two different journeys to the same point of establishing Taylor Kitsch as now this like reliable commander and hero that's going to save the day. All the while, Liam Neeson is just kind of hanging around. And Liam Neeson, if I recall, was he was billed pretty heavily in the movie, right? Like, I mean, not 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 like top billing in the movie, but in the commercials and stuff like you could have gone into this thinking it was a Liam Neeson movie, right? But this was coming right (laughs) on the heels of Taken. So I think and maybe Taken 2 was already out by this point. So I think that you know Liam Neeson was like super popular at that point with Taken. And I think he'd done, I don't know, a bunch of other of those action movies uh, by that point. So I think that they were really figuring, you know, if we can't sell this movie on Taylor Kitsch, let's sell it on Liam Neeson. Which brings up an interesting point. What would it have been like if instead of invading Earth, the aliens kidnapped Liam Neeson's daughter? Well, the movie would have been over. No time. I mean, that would have been that would have been a twist that nobody saw coming. That that no. would have been, you know, I mean, his particular set of skills may have translated into yeah. space instead of just uh, Albania. Exactly. And one of them says good luck in like the alien language, and then that's mm-hmm. how he knows. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, then he has a little one-liner. He's like, let's go to lunch. I'll have a chicken burrito. <laughs> It's like, oh, oh, they're laughing (laughs) together about his screw-up. Your Liam Neeson is impeccable. (laughs) Right? You thought he was on for a second, didn't you? I did. I thought Spro pulled the coup of the decade (laughs) by getting Liam Neeson on here. Wow. That was was incredible. So throughout the movie, there are different attempts to try and like thwart the alien presence, obviously. And maybe you guys can explain this to me now because I missed the whole battleship pegs bombs thing. There were two of these like wheelie like circular buzzsaw alien things that just kind of like ejected themselves from the force field and just ran roughshod all over Hawaii. Did those have anything to do with the game or were those just like, no. like cool things? I those those reminded just... me of S- Stephen King's The Langoliers. <laughs> so oh, yeah. That's what really that's like right. I was thinking of like when they came out. Or like critters. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking Balky was going to come down from an airplane somewhere and be like. What a terrible movie. eating everything. <laughs> they, just, they, reminded, they just reminded me of like if if Michael Bay, if one of the Transformers was a yo-yo, I guess. Mm-hmm. If his robot <laughs> mode was a yo-yo. See, to me, those wheelie things felt like somebody saw a rough cut of the movie. The big studio executive with the cigar was like, I need some Transformers in here. You know what's happening over <laughs> in the other screening room? Michael Bay has got cars and tanks that turn into robots. They're zooming all around. Where's that in my movie? I got to have that. So they had to go back and do all, put all that stuff in there. Before that, it's pretty self-contained to like semi-naval combat with the alien ships and the um, uh, navy ships, and then all of a sudden these transformer-type robots come rolling out of the spaceship and running all over the ships and running all over Hawaii. And I really feel, and even like I think they have a scene where they're like riding around through buildings and stuff. And I, I really feel like somebody was like, "I need transformers in my movie," and that's what happened. <laughs> and it's like, and your mom tells you we have transformers at home, and it's the these, like yes. these giant metal yo-yos. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> now, Spro, you you have your toe. You have you know you've dipped your toe in Hollywood. You've does does that sound accurate? Oh yeah, like it's gonna be. It's marketing. It's merchandise. It's the video. You know, because a video game came out based off of this movie too. So this seemed like something that they would throw in a new, not boss, but an enemy for you to defeat mm. in the video game. Uh, um, yeah. I, what are we calling them? The balls of death or whatever. I'm just. Like, I'm sticking with yo-yos. <laughs> yeah, the, yo-yo. the 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 transformer yo-yos is like threatening the little league player. You know, right. and just. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, holy shit! Like, this but is I mean, about that was yeah. dark. That was strange. Straight out of, I think, the first Transformers, too, where um, it's like Ironhide lands in the pool and the girl goes out and she's like, are you the tooth fairy? Right, right. <laughs> They've had that scene in movies where like uh, like a robot scans around like assessing threats and there's always like a little kid eating ice cream. I think they did that in Iron Man, uh, the second Iron Man, where the little kid is eating ice cream and the drone like scans it to determine if it's a threat or not. And, mm. and it's like, oh, okay, then it moves on. It's kind of like a, a gag that they pull out a lot in robot movies for whatever reason. <laughs> Can you do <laughs> Liam Neeson as a studio executive? <laughs> Where's my chicken burrito? I don't know. I need a chicken burrito in my movie. That's what I need. I've got a certain set of skills, and one of them is ordering a chicken burrito for me in my movie screening. Perfect. On point. Impeccable. Indistinguishable from the real thing. Uh, So we get through... I thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the attacks from like each side were, it was kind of like they were turn-based, right? Like, was yeah. that, or am I imagining that? No, I definitely think so. Well, I mean, we haven't gotten to this yet, but definitely in the, in, in the battleship segment of the movie, right? You know, where they actually basically recreate the game, I think it was Wh- definitely. Which, which I thought, and, and I mentioned this to Spro the other night. As we were parting ways, I said, when you see how they integrate the actual gameplay of Battleship into the movie, in my opinion, it was genius. Like, it was really, really clever. And it was believable, and it was subtle. But when it was happening, you were like, this is okay. This is Battleship. This is yeah. like... This is this is what I remember. And it made sense from a story perspective. It wasn't just let's now graft Battleship onto our movie because it's called Battleship. Like they obviously had to do that because that's the whole point of why they're making this movie. They had to replicate the board game. But they found a way to integrate it into the story where it made sense that they didn't have a way to see the enemy and they had to only go by this grid and and it it, it all like if you had never played Battleship at all and didn't know that's what they were doing, you would st- I think still feel like it made sense in the context of what you were watching on screen. It was basically like they were using almost like like sonar kind of because they had these buoys out in the water that would rise up and down as the alien ships, which were, I forget if they were like cloaked or something like that, but they, they would still displace the water and the buoys would register a signal. And then on the big board in the command center, the signal would pop up in a certain quadrant in a row in a column. And they would literally say like, they're in quadrant E11, aim for quadrant E11. Pearl Harbor here, we're approximately here. And they, whatever they are, we're somewhere in the middle. We're trapped out here. What we know right now is we can't target them unless we have a plain line of sight. Without radar, we have no way to track them, correct? Correct. But I don't think they can see us either. Why? Because we are still alive. Okay, so they can't see us and we can't see them. And we have no way to hit them from a safe distance. There is a way. A way? A way of seeing them without seeing them. You're going to reference Art of War right now, aren't you? What are we supposed to do? Fight the enemy where they aren't? Move like water? Because I've read that thing like six times. It makes no sense. That book is Chinese. It still makes no sense. My way is much more simple. We've been doing it to America for 20 years. 
water displacement. How do you track water displacement? Tsunami buoys. Tsunami buoys. You have them surrounding your islands, transmitting displacement data. We hack into their transmissions, form a grid. You can't track anything without radar. I don't need radar. Just the radio frequencies. Turn off Aegis radar, please. Who is this guy? Chief Moore. Sir. Secure spy. Secure spy, sir. And they did that like again it was it was it was pretty seamless it was it was it made sense which mm-hmm. like you said Jeremy could have been the exact opposite it could have been just like um let's you know let's let's put let's just put battleship on the side of all these ships and call it a day but <laughs> right. um but they made yeah. it work I think Spro were you impressed by that because I know I, I sold it pretty big to you <laughs> oh yeah no absolutely it seemed <laughs> to, and just like Jeremy was saying earlier where like they did, there was a whole lot steeped in realism. So then you kind of go like, well, how are they going to pull this off considering the fact that <laughs> steeped in realism and then also shooting blindly into the night are not two things that I think our Naval Academy really teaches and preaches. So the fact that they were like, no, we're going to do this based off of the buoy system without radar and and figure this whole thing out, I think was, was really well done. For me, I thought the most awesome realist part of the whole alien invasion was the aliens because they they go on and on not on and on but they they mention a few times that the planet that they believe the signal came from has a star that's similar to the sun it's about the same distance away so it's surmisable that that it's a planet like earth and the first time that we see the aliens they're in these like suits of course you know they've got they look like halo troopers or something like that but then one of them loses his mask um, loses gloves stuff like that and they're they're not exactly human but they are like you know two-legged two-arm skin kind of similar texture and and look eyes mouth all sort of similar to humans which i hadn't even considered while they were talking about the planet being kind of like earth so when i saw that and i was like wow this alien looks kind of just like an ugly dude that's not something i'd seen before they didn't look like the aliens from independence day they didn't look like men in black aliens they looked like what we would look like if we lived in another galaxy which i thought was really cool yeah Again, I think that you know the, the they throughout they tried to establish an element of realism and an element of believability in, uh, and I think more so than even they probably had to. I think they put more effort into this movie than they than they probably even needed to for a movie based on a board game that really almost probably had no reason to exist. And yet, and that's why it frustrates me that it didn't get more of an audience because it's like they really you could tell that they really put a lot of care and they really thought about it uh, to say you know how can we make the aliens feel realistic? Not let's out do every other alien that's ever come before let's make right. something but they call it the goldilocks planet you know it's it's not too far it's not too close so it's kind of like earth but you know maybe slightly different and the life forms that we end up meeting kind of reflect that so i think that's you know really smart I thought I forgot about the Goldilocks planet, but that was clever. They said, yeah, it's not too far. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just right to sustain life like we have here on Earth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was cool. It almost made me like, I wouldn't say it called sympathy for the aliens, but I was kind of like, ah, you know, can't you let them come visit or something? <laughs> but we find out what they're doing is they're trying to take advantage of that communication station in Hawaii, the only one in the world that's capable of sending a signal to their planet. They're trying to use it to do exactly exactly that as sort of a like okay now you can come now you can invade we're here right the, the scouting mission because there's a scene and they th- this they did steal from independence day along with a few other things but where taylor kitsch like mind melds with the alien and he sees like their plan and that they go from planet to planet basically just invading and cleaning up and then moving on so 
And then he goes, next. doesn't he say, nuke them. Let's nuke the bastards. <laughs> he may as well, because yeah. they kind of do the same same beats, basically. Right. I saw what they're so, trying to do. And we kind of we kind of we kind of uh, forgot about Brooklyn Decker. She plays in the movie of. A Navy physical therapist who works with veterans, rehabilitating them, um, you know, veterans who've, you know, suffered injuries that have caused them to either, you know, lose the use of, of their appendages or parts of their body or outright lose parts of their body. And she kind of teams up unexpectedly with this, um, I don't remember his rank, uh, a veteran who lost both of his legs and is now walking around on these badass prosthetic legs. You can kind of predict what happens. He sort of, you know, finds himself again and through adversity, he's able to save her and all that. Well, we were like talking, texting about it. I was said, I'm pretty sure and I looked it up and, and he is. He's, uh, his name is Gregory Gad uh, he is uh, won number of medals, distinguished service, bronze stars, uh, purple heart, and he is um, uh, amputee from uh, Iraq. I believe it was. He's now a motivational speaker. I believe and he's that's a, what he, a full colonel. And that's what he does. He motivates himself to just beat the shit out of an alien, like yes. hand-to-hand combat, <laughs> beat the shit Definitely. out of an alien, which but, is perfect. And that was something else I really liked about the movie was that, you know, and, you know, I, I don't want to presume to know anything about what, you know, a soldier who's an amputee goes through, but I would have to think that it's somewhat inspiring taking the alien element out of it. But here's a guy, they, they portray him really well, I think is having you know be, is being a guy who's lost and kind of doesn't know who he is without being a, without being able to be what he was, which was a soldier, and he finds a, a way again to be of value, to be of use, and to, and finds his courage, finds his strength, and I, and I I felt like that was a great story, and and again handled even though I know it's a science fiction story, but handled with a lot of respect, and I would think you know I'd, I'd be interested in knowing people who were in the military who saw it if, if if that resonated in any way because I felt like it was done with a lot of respect and a lot of uh, heart and a lot of emotion. So I, I thought well, it was a good album. Peter Berg is, I love Peter Berg and that he's the one that directed this film. He also did like Lone Survivor and, mm-hmm. and Patriots. And like he seems to have a whole lot of respect and pride for like the subjects that he is filming and working with. Like apparently he hung out on um, a battleship and, you know, ch- challenged the colonel of that battleship to a game of battleship because the colonel was like, you're, you know, you're pretty much a limp dick Hollywood director and you don't know what we're going through and so like Peter Berg had to earn his own stripes with with those guys but the fact that you know the first time you see Brooklyn Decker in her job and she's surrounded by veterans that are amputees or have been injured in war you have to assume that those are actual real live veterans who are Mm -hmm. um, Peter Berg wanted to put in the film put a little money in their pocket and then this guy the one thing that I, I wish happened was there was a missed opportunity for a joke and that's when Brooklyn crashes the car and she goes my leg is stuck right next to a double amputee <laughs> right next to her she's like and i wish he just like looked at her and was like bitch you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're about at the point where in my opinion the movie just goes completely bonkers in the best way because as we're talking about all these real life veterans and um you know the the homage that's that's paid to to the actual like accuracy of of the navy operations and things like that what happens to the ships inside the force field is that they basically get like 
if I don't remember if they got destroyed or like decommissioned where they couldn't work anymore or something like that. And they go through this. They're like, we have no other options. And Taylor Kitsch is like, oh, yes, we do. And then that's when you remember that the USS Missouri is still, I don't, you don't, do you call it parked? I don't know what you would call it. Docked? Still docked. Yeah, <laughs> docked outside of the force field. And despite being decommissioned is fully operational. So, the scene goes like this. He and Taylor Kitsch and probably Rihanna and the other guys kind of like go on to the deck of, of the USS Missouri and they're like, they're realizing, okay, this ship works. It's it's serviceable and, and all that. And then there's a line where it's like, yeah, but who knows how to run it? And then this whole group of these just like grizzled old badass sailors who were previously seen at the the, the opening ceremonies for the the Rimpact thing just walk up like this hero shot. I mean, it's like it's the Armageddon shot. You know, they just walk up and you're just like, holy shit, these veteran guys are going to go defeat the aliens. And that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. And I loved it so much because it, never in a million years would I have predicted that. I completely forgot that, that the Missouri was still like there. I was thinking that they were going to have to solve the problem from inside the bubble. And the, the thought of retired Navy veterans being the saviors of this movie was just so outside of the box to what I uh, the box that I was viewing this movie through that it was just awesome and that's when I texted you I was a little bit stoned too so I was like <laughs> man this is just this is just the best kind of ridiculous doesn't end like this why do you want us to do Hopper we have no ships left we have one got a battleship. Are you crazy? That's a museum. Not today. This ship is 70 years old. It's totally outdated. The firing systems are all analog. The engines haven't been started in a decade, which would be fine, but there's steam, which I have no idea how to fire up. And even if I had a user's manual and six weeks to go through it all, we still don't have enough crew to fire it up. I don't know what you're thinking, sir. You men have given so much to your country and no one has the right to ask any more of you. But I'm asking. What do you need, son? Need to borrow your boat. Totally. I, I saw this in the theaters, you know, with my kids cause who, who were younger, obviously, at the time. And it was like a great movie, summer movie to see with, you know, a nine and 11 year old. And I, but I was digging it too. And I remember by that point, we'd already had the, you know, the pegs and we'd had the battleship game and we'd had aliens and we had all this other stuff. And uh, I was already digging it just for being what it was. And then when that happens, because they're all standing in the background watching it again, you see they're all like in the rigging and whatever, they're walking around the ship. And like we've got the ship here but who's gonna run it and you know you start going wait a minute they're not going 
Oh, they are going to. And I was just kind of like, yes, let's, I'm, I'm here for it. Let's do this. Let's do this. And it, it was, was just great. so, so unexpected and so well done. And knowing that they were, because I, I had no idea it was during that text exchange that you told me, yeah, those are all real like Navy veterans. Um, yeah. That made it even sweeter. Because you, you were talking about how much Peter Berg respects the military. And we talked about that a little bit when we talk about Michael Bay. Like, all of his movies are kind of a love letter to the military. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's more like, uh, you know, his are like glossy, you know, like, like just, recruitment. just like like recruitment or like commercials and stuff. Yes. This this was almost like, like one of those... Um, those videos tribute. that you see next to a tribute, like a video that you see at a museum next to a uniform worn by a soldier. Yeah. And then it's the video of him wearing it. Like it was just so unexpected and just so, and it yeah. worked. I mean, it, and the thing is, it, it's like, it takes you to another level with that movie. Cause it's like the movie's called battleship. And now they're not only on a battleship, they're on the battleship, the Missouri, like the mighty Mo, the, you know, the most famous battleship in the entire Navy. It's like, they just took it so to such a, an insane level level and uh and it works it's it's fun and it's it's uh entertaining and that's the thing is that well i feel like i i'd love to know the story about how this movie came about because somewhere somebody said we should start making our board games into movies and they said well let's start with battleship and right and then so how did you get from some because you know some executive sitting in, in, a, in a do the room. do the do the executive again we've got all these board games sitting on the shelf my grandkids <laughs> play all these games why don't we make that battleship he sank my battleship turn that into a movie and from that somebody said okay well now how are we actually going to do this how are we going to create that which is you know a very simple game that can be played with a pencil and paper you don't even need the game how do you take that and turn it into a film that that works and they they did it brilliantly when you consider that that they were that all they're doing is making an adaptation of a board game and you get all that out of it for that alone it should be you know commended i do like that i do have a question though because at the very end right they go through all this and then it's the royal australia Air Force that come in and just carpet bomb everything. Mm -hmm. And in all military movies, right, the Air Force is probably the one that's ridiculed the most and made the most fun of, right? So in the end of this, the Air Force comes in and saves everybody. Like, it's Mm. just so to me, like, I was like, huh. We're all on the same team. Was that... (laughs) To quote quote Viper from from Top Gun, I think, yeah. We're all on the... Just remember, gentlemen, we're all on the same team. I thought those were Navy pilots. That was the thing. Right, like... When the bubble comes down, Liam Neeson's like, I I want every plane on this ship in the air right away. There he is. There he is. <laughs> yes. I just did that deliberately because I know how much you love it. But so I thought those were Navy Navy pilots. In Top Gun, they're Navy pilots. They're naval aviators, right? Yes. So that that branch of the service has you know fighter jet munitions and capabilities. So I don't know if they actually said calling the Air Force or maybe that was just you know assumed. Maybe because- I'm getting confused. What is the Air Force different than naval? aviators yeah uh that somebody who knows more about the military because i thought top gun was the air force no top gun are navy navy pilots as well um do you guys see how army keep, do, you guys, do you guys see how i'm keeping my mouth shut on this one <laughs> Because <laughs> Top Gun is, is is naval pilots, and the you know, whole Top Gun program is Navy. So I don't know where the so Air, Force, the Air Force. And what are the Air Force? I think you're right. The Air Force is marginalized because in Independence Day, Will Smith's a Marine pilot. Difference between Air Force and Navy. Both exist to protect the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Wait, this is the script from The Rock. Um, <laughs> the difference between the Navy Air Force and the Air Force. 
The Navy mainly supports operations in the sea, but has a large air component as well. The Air Force is responsible for protecting the United States through air operations, cyberspace, and space. Mm. So the Air Force would technically be the ones, I guess, who go to space. I thought that was space. There's Force. there's there's a website. Yeah. I'm re- there's a website I'm reading this off of called OperationMilitaryKids.org. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, that, does, that does make sense, though. That like the naval pilots would be at sea because if you're on an aircraft right. carrier, you're not going to be able to call the air force if you're out, you know, in the South China Sea somewhere. Right. So you're going to need pilots on your naval ship. That, that makes totally sense. Makes, like, I, I think I just always assume for whatever reason, and I guess I shouldn't have that. Like it was just the air force on a Navy ship. Here like we that, go. You know, um, according to Operation Military the Navy is responsible for protecting ports and the sea. Air force protect the sky and space. Mm-hmm. Whereas, so to kind of bring it to like a current day events, it's the air force that are shooting down all the UFOs. And and Chinese balloons currently. That is, that is correct. That, that is, is correct. correct. With battleship peg-shaped bombs, <laughs> yeah. I would assume. I cannot believe I didn't catch that. It's a good nod to the game. Like again, it's 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 almost like they they just sat in a room, whoever was whoever the writer and producers and stuff and sat in a room with a game of battleship like just staring at it, thinking maybe they dropped acid or LSD or something and they got these crazy ideas, drew them on the wall, woke up the next morning and were like, "Holy shit, the bombs are the pegs." Yeah. And, you know, "Holy shit, there's the PT boat or whatever." It's it's really incredible and they fucking did it. They even they even worked a variant of the you sank my battleship line in there cuz one of the old it's like they're not gonna sink my battleship or whatever. And That's like, yes. right, they did. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna go into five questions now. Five questions is our latest addition to the show where we Google the name of the movie, and when you Google something, five questions. I suppose there's an algorithm that maybe suggests the five most asked. Uh, questions about whatever you're searching, and I'm going to test Spro here. So I've Googled oh, Battleship. Jeremy can jump on if he wants to. Oh, okay. Well, I, it, we can we can do it. We can do a tag team here. We can we can pretend you guys are the two. Uh, you guys are both in the dinghy together, and uh, and you're you're going out to sea at a test of knowledge. All right. So the first one was the movie Battleship a flop? Uh, yes. Yeah, I have to say yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> Absolutely. it was weird though because it had a budget of 220 million. It made 330 million. So it made $110 million. $303 million. I got $330. My Wikipedia oh. says $303. Either way, it lost more than $100 million. No. Well, yeah. So like the budget is $209. The box office is $303. So the math looks like it made $100 million. But according to an article that I read, Hasbro and Universal both lost $150 million on the project. So I'm like, what? I've never been an accountant, but that doesn't really- Marketing costs. That dog don't hunt. Yeah, I don't- remember i don't remember the marketing campaign for battleship being anything like like they didn't put up a battleship at times square or anything <laughs> too extravagant yeah um they should have so i don't know maybe that maybe all that maybe maybe it costs a lot more to put actual veterans in movies than than actors maybe <laughs> we should have to pay the ball well hopefully yeah, that would be awesome. All right, next question. Jeremy, this might be you. Uh, you might be you. Why are battleships no longer used? Oh, wow. I don't, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't know. Well, the, I saw the his obvious, screen turn on. The obvious, <laughs> the obvious answer is because the aliens are onto us now. That's true. Are you looking it up? Uh, it's not fun if you look it up. <laughs> what? But yes, I was looking it up. Because I don't know. 
I, 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 fortunately, my internet connection is slow, so it's not coming up. But are battleships not used anymore? It basically says they could no longer, they can no longer fulfill their roles in a cost-effective manner. The U.S. and every other nation, for that matter, no longer use battleships for the simple reason that they're outdated. Battleships are an obsolete money sink that fulfill roles that can be performed better by the modern ships we have today. There are numerous problems with using them. The primary issue with battleships is cost. Battleships are extremely expensive to build and maintain. To give an example, back in the Cold War and Ronald Reagan reactivated the Iowa-class battleships, the money used to reactivate and modernize these battleships could be used to build an Oliver Hazard Perry-class frigate. And that was just for the reactivation. Battleships require a huge amount of maintenance, as well as a very large crew, especially compared to frigates, destroyers, and carriers. So it so might have actually been this. It might have actually been this movie that that I was going to say that, that's for, that ended so battleships. What, <laughs> maybe they got kind of confused, like, "Oh, nobody wants battleships." No, no, no. It's just a movie. <laughs> oh shoot, we cut them from the budget. Well, wait a minute. So it was. So what replaced them? Uh, destroyers or, air, or is it just aircraft carriers? Like what's, uh, what's replaced the battleships? Zodiac lifeboats yes. with Rihanna. Yeah, uh, <laughs> spiky, spiky yo-yo drones. I think <laughs> they're simply a delivery for system for ordnance. It's not necessarily that they're no longer used. It's that they're no longer used in the capacity that they once were. And it mm. says, especially with the shift to the jet age, smaller, less expensive ships can provide the same anti-aircraft defense. Um, <laughs> submarines and something and called tr- battle wagons, which uh, that sounds like an awesome grindhouse movie. Um, <laughs> Is that like yeah. war car? War car. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> war car. All right. Next question. Will there be a battleship too? <laughs> Uh, I wish, but no. Even you know what? Even if Battleship was a hit, can you really do Battleship too? Like where where do you go? Where do you go from there? I think they've said everything they could say. It's I mean, like Independence could, Day too. We didn't we didn't need that. Yeah, that's, that's a good. Yeah, that's, a, good that's a fair analogy. I suppose they could go to the alien planet, but. Uh, it's like it's like like uh, Independence Day too was you know you you love Independence Day you you almost I almost wanted to know like where were they gonna how do they rebuild how does society come back from that what does the future look like and then you got it and it was like uh, oh, I kind of just would have rather just imagined it than what it, I got it's it's better in, in, on paper all right next question did the movie Battleship use real veterans yes yes we've and the last question and you can both weigh in on this. Is Battleship a good movie? Yes. 100%. Very entertaining. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it all depends on your definition of a good movie, but go ahead, Jeremy. I was going to say, like, is it, you know, art? You know, is it uh, some, you know, brilliant, you know, thought-provoking, uh, you know, is it uh, like Ingmar Bergman? No. But is it a completely entertaining popcorn movie that will, that delivers way more, I think, over-delivers on a fairly underdeveloped concept yes and it really this is just this is entertaining this is you know shut off your brain and kind of just go with the flow and and really what you're not going to realize and what we've got into in like the third act of this of this episode is there is a lot of realism there's a lot of things that you're going to learn there's like kind of like you went to go see titanic to see what the titanic looked like My like God. go and see what like the uss missouri looked like you know what the most famous battleship you're going to be on it in this movie you're going to be seeing you know how people worked it because the real life veterans are there in their rooms working their jobs 
shouting their orders. And I think like because of the the realism and because of the attention to detail that Peter Berg puts into his movies, you cannot discount Battleship as something that wasn't a labor of love, wasn't something that has been like uh, really studied and put together well. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I would say that it is a very entertaining movie that has a little bit of education to it. Absolutely. I, well one thing said. too I want to touch on is we did touch on this earlier, but is the sound design in the movie is really cool. Like, did anybody else pick up on that? Like, the aliens have that weird like MRI machine sound that they make that like do do sound that goes like every time they're on screen. I don't know if it's their if it's on the soundtrack on the uh, uh, it's supposed to be the music or if it's supposed to be their equipment that's making all those weird tones and noises and stuff. But it's like a very atmospheric uh, and, and chilling kind of cool soundscape that is going on throughout the movie too. I didn't they notice said, that at all. My favorite sound bite from the movie was Rihanna saying "Mahalo, motherfucker." <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> before shooting the big cannon yes. um that was like the welcome to earth yeah that was that was that was 100 percent battleship's answer to to welcome to earth i mean yippee-ki-yay yippee-ki-yay yeah. <laughs> and, and to be fair it was not a terrible line i mean uh-uh. what is what does mahalo mean it's not the same as aloha what does mahalo mean i don't know but that would be a good shirt mahalo motherfucker mahalo motherfucker <laughs> yeah we should go to hawaii and wear that shirt mahalo means to express gratitude Oh. So, so thank you, thank you, thank you, motherfucker. Thank you, motherfucker. Right, yeah, I don't think they they thought mm, that one through. Maybe Should aloha, because aloha can mean hello and goodbye, right? Yeah, aloha would have been much better. Aloha, motherfucker. Yeah, that would have been good. Well, that's why she Unless got the raspberry. Meant, thank you for standing in front of the cannon right when I needed you to. <laughs> oh yeah, no, wasn't isn't that what happened? Like they they, they kind of they yeah they like them. they lured it and baited it right to where she needed, and then yeah. okay, so maybe that's what it was. It was like thank bit of you. a stretch, bit of a stretch, but yeah, mahalo, <laughs> but, motherfucker. But, All right. Well, I'd like to make a special request as we come to the end of this episode. Um, Liam Neeson, can you take us out? Yes, I've got a certain set of skills, and one of them is to close out this podcast and wish you all well, because I will find you. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> That's like that, the greatest impression that I think that we have on the it, it, on the history it, of Second Chance. It puts my Gary Sinise to shame on so many levels. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jeremy, for being here. Spro, always a pleasure. Go watch Battleship. It's awesome. You're going to have a great, silly, bonkers time, just like we hope you did here on Second Chance Cinema. And we thank you for joining us. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you could reach us at secondchancecinema at gmail.com. That's 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You could find us on Twitter at MCNSpro or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible and isn't that really the whole point now go on and have a beautiful day you wonderful person you and if it's not a beautiful day outside stay in and rediscover a gem from the past <laughs>